We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by DoorDash, BetOnline.ag, and NFL Sunday Ticket. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And Lakers are coming off of a 110-100 win in Game 4, going up 3-1 on the Houston Rockets, in a game that they really controlled from start to almost finish. They stopped playing down the stretch of that game and made it a little nerve-wracking, but by and large, that was a a wire-to-wire win in which the Lakers looked significantly better than Houston, and it, it looked like that the entire game. Uh, it was the first game of this series that worked out that way, and I'm curious, Darius, what what led to that in this particular game that we didn't necessarily get in the first three? I just thought this was really the Lakers' best team performance for sure of this series, like overall with contributors like all over the floor. It was... and. and I might even say it was their their best maybe of these playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the way that they dominated Portland 
was mostly on the backs of LeBron and AD with like some one or two contributing role players having a good night and like that was enough because they Portland really had zero answers for the Lakers best well, best players. I think we're seeing that that's true with this Rocket series as well. Mm-hmm. But this game, the Lakers had, what, five or six players in double figures? Um, Mm -hmm. And then Markeith Morris, yeah, six guys in double figures, and then Markeith Morris scored nine points. So Mm -hmm. that's basically almost your, like, seven seven players of your 10-man rotation Mm -hmm. are basically getting you double-digit scoring. Um, That... That sort of offensive output and that ability to sort of spread the ball around that way, that's not really the norm for this team or, or really even how they're built. The, no. dis, like the discussion around this team is, is typically who's going to be their third guy, right? Like, and it's always within that frame, framework of they have LeBron, they have Anthony Davis, but who's going to be their third guy? And right. the last couple games, like, Rondo was that third guy, right? Playoff Rondo was back. But mm-hmm. this game, uh, what? I don't have the box score up right now, but let me bring bring it up. Um, well, you had a third guy and a fourth guy and a fifth well, guy, right? Like, at least from a scoring standpoint. Well, and, look, uh, Alex Caruso had 16 points, man. Like, yep. like, he scored mm-hmm. as many points as LeBron James. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. right, like, that's one way to frame it, but... LeBron did not need to have a 30-point night, and I think that was pretty clear early in the game based off of how the Lakers were playing defensively and then how they were turning those stops and turnovers into early offense and transition opportunities. And what was interesting about those open court chances this game is it was like, Danny Green run running out and getting one of his like transition threes, right? It was KCP leaking out and getting a layup. It was it like all of that stuff was spread around and instead of it being just AD and LeBron who were like finishers and then those role guys really not just taking a backseat, they were in like the third row of the minivan, right? Like they were in the mm-hmm. third row. They weren't like just in the backseat. These guys were taking a much more prominent role in dictating the outcome of possessions and and they made Houston pay and I honestly think that that was super dispiriting for the Rockets as the game went on and on and on. Yeah, and it's huge for this Lakers team as we progress, you know, hopefully into the next round and and hopefully beyond is seeing those guys, right? Like those are that to me is the Achilles heel of this Lakers team of if we're going to lose in at, at whatever point it's going to be like role players going cold and not able to convert the opportunities it was great to see caruso step into a couple threes and drill them you know he went two for five on that he's been struggling from three ever since the beginning of the bubble right that one he hit late was the dagger like that was mm-hmm. that was one of the biggest shots of the game houston was really pressing down on them harden helped off but he didn't even give a full help right like mm-hmm. he showed help LeBron kicked out, and Harden didn't quite get all the way there for a closeout, but it was a 6'7 dude bearing down on him, and he lined it up and buried it. Very much so. And now, the one thing I will say is that 
I didn't think Houston had the requisite energy and spirit for most of this game, especially like all of our guys are defending. And that's something that, you know, that we, we continued to trap Harden. We continued to rotate in that first quarter. And it was just like, everything's really hard for Houston. Every attempt, like until we stopped playing, right? But when we really lock in on defense, they're... They, they can't really get open shots. And we're going to talk more in the second half, kind of more about Houston, right, and their approach and, um, you know, how, how they're down in this series. But the, the math of this game is wild. Let me read you a couple stats. Houston went 14 for 33 from three. That's 42.4%, as you pointed out before the pod. That is the third game in a row in which Houston has lost while shooting 40-plus percent. They were 16-0 before these last three games. So that's 42 points for them on 14 threes. We were 9 for 30, only 30%. So that's 27 points. They were a plus 15 on threes. Then they were 30 for 39 from the free throw line, the, the Rockets were, while we were 15 of 16. So that's another plus 15. They are a plus 30 between their three-point shooting and their free throws. So how the heck does the math work on this? We out-rebounded them 42, or I'm sorry, 52 to 25, we had 12 offensive rebounds. They had one. And so the net result of that is we took 88 shots. They only took 65. The other way to increase possessions is turnovers. We were tied on that. And so we were we were changing offense from defense to offense. And then I this was by far our best rebounding game, which was a collective effort, right? Like Danny Green was great crashing the boards, uh, you know, in that in that third quarter, especially, and just like using his size and physicality. Rondo had 10 rebounds in this game. He had three offensive boards, a big one down the stretch. Um, there, We really won the life and spirit uh, I I don't have the deflections in front of me, but I would venture a guess that we had many more deflections than they yeah. had. Uh, just all of those. And it, it really speaks to just kind of the, this team is built around LeBron and AD, but everybody else takes pride in being a role player. There's part of it is like accepting that this is what I do, right? Now, the Houston Rockets are constructed in a similar way. We'll get to this more in the second half, but about like the spirit that, that, comes with that or can be difficult to conjure in these circumstances for a team like Houston. But this was a a game in which the cohesion, the cohesion and the togetherness, like everybody until they all collectively stopped playing, like everybody's doing their job. And it's just this beautiful, their rotations and their closeouts and their chase-offs, just everybody is so in sync and in harmony that it's just, it's beautiful basketball to watch. Look how far they've come from game one in terms mm-hmm. of like attentiveness, especially defensively, right? Yes. Like you said, the last, I want to say, six or seven minutes of this game, the Lakers were totally willing to go like three and out on multiple uh-huh. possessions, right? There's my football yeah. analogy for, for the pod. Like they were totally willing to run the ball into the line three times and then mm-hmm. punt the ball away. Just and, run and, clock, yeah. And, and basically say like, our lead is big, big enough where you're not going to get over the top. All we'll need to do is late in the game, get a couple of first downs and we'll be okay. And, and that's basically exactly how the game played played out. LeBron got a late layup. Caruso hit that three. A couple offensive rebounds here to sort of steal a couple, like, you, you know, 10 or 12 more seconds off, off of the clock. And then that was that. But... The attentiveness that this team is showing 
defensively and the rotations that they're making. And I'll say it again, man, because I've been hammering this point, I feel like, for the last couple of pods, but their player-specific closeouts have just been on point, man. Like, they've been on point. They There was maybe one or two um, closeouts on Covington today where they let him get off a clean shot. Like, they closed out a little short or hesitated before their rotation. But they're running Covington off, off of the line. They are running P.J. Tucker off off of the line. P.J. Tucker today shot 0 for 4. He went 0 for 2 on threes. So P.J. PJ Tucker took four shots. Two of those were threes, and two of those were floaters. Yep. Yeah, he's been silent the last couple of games, right? We've Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that floaters are not P.J. Tucker's game. Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. And it shows sort of like the, the, the game plan discipline that the Lakers have been showing defensively has been so on point. And the evolution of this series is very in games two through four, at least has been very similar to what we saw against Portland, Mm -hmm. where the Lakers have been sort of like one of those learning machines. Mm -hmm. And as the series has gone on, they've gotten smarter, they've gotten sharper and they are leveraging the, physical tools that they have to make their opponent's job much, much harder. And mm-hmm. it's showing up in almost every offensive number. It, so Houston is shooting like 40% each night on threes, but game one, they took what, like 58 threes? Mm-hmm. L- last game, they took 30, 33 or 30. Tonight, 30 they took 33, 33. Mm-hmm. right? And so that's... They want to shoot. If they could, they'd shoot sixty threes. Yep. You know what I mean. So to they can't though. They we can't. won't let them. The Lakers are smothering the three point line. Mm-hmm. Houston is still good enough to get those shots off, but not nearly at the volume that they'd want. And they are forced to drive more. Um, Seth Partnow, who I think is like really smart. And mm-hmm. really smart around numbers, but just a really good sort of overall basketball mind. And he spent some time in the Bucks um, organization for a while, and now he works for the Athletic. Um, he mentioned during the game, I think that, um, or at least I think it was Seth. If it's not, I'm going to credit him anyway because because he's smart. But <laughs> he, he basically said, um, "Houston's not doing any of the stuff they like." their players aren't doing the things that they're good at. Like they're flashing guys to the middle of the floor, like he, and making them play off the dribble and short rolls. Like that's not what these guys are good, good at. Like, I don't care. Houston can take all of these contested threes or whatever, but guess what? They're not going to do well operate from the nail. Yep. Right. And that's basically what Seth was saying. And, but the Lakers are pushing them to those areas of the court that are not in their comfort zone. And there's this level of, of just being not only dialed in, man, but just playing smart basketball. Right. That the Lakers and the Lakers are executing. And we could throw out the last six or eight minutes of this game. The rest of this game, the Lakers looked so far superior 
to what Houston was. Anytime the lead even got to like 15 or 16, it was back up to 20 or 22. Just after a couple of baskets, the Lakers then got a couple of stops. They ran out again, and that was that. I'm struck by how you said how similar the series was from a learning perspective uh, to the Portland series. I would also say that like we lost game one in both series after being off for a significant period of time, right? Like the way that, so we had not, and by being off, I mean, we had not played an important game really in the bubble, right? We had played like the Clippers. That was a game we got up for, but during the seeding games, like we'd clinched the one seed. We were not, you know, bringing our best. And so we'd not played a really intense game for a while. We play a team that has been playing every game that was intense, right? For the the Portland Trailblazers just to get into the, into the playoffs, and they caught us in the first game as a, as a result of that. Then as the series went on, by game three, in the second half of game three especially, I would argue that we broke Portland's spirit. And that carried out into game four where we blew them out. And then there was the, the boycott, right? Yeah. For, in which we, there were three or four days off. Then we waited, and and the energy in that it was very like second half of this. Dame game was, well, thing. Dame was out. He had already Dame left, was out. Left the bubble, right? Like there were cir- there were circumstances that like played played into it as well. I think the Lakers knew that right. they that they had mentally won the series, even mm-hmm. if they had so executed it physically, mm-hmm. right? right? And it, I think, it did lead to a letdown. And when you combine that with Dame being out and just sort of this idea, like, oh, well, we'll go through the motions this game. Yes. And we will win, and that's exactly what happened. But mm-hmm. to your point, that was not a, and you said this at the time, that was not a playoff. That game did not have a playoff feel. No. It had like a regular season feel. It, yeah, it was, and it was like, we knew we had beaten them, <clears throat> and they knew we had beaten them, and they both teams kind of went through the motions to do it. And so you've got this break, right, where the, where the league takes a few days off. And then we had that game, which was not a, an intense playoff game. And then a few days off as we waited for OKC in Houston to wrap up. Houston is similarly playing in game six, playing in game seven, while we're sitting at home or in our you know hotel rooms, right, uh, waiting for the, that to be decided. And then two days later, they come out and they beat us in game one and they handle us pretty, pretty easily. Then I would say by game three, um, the second half of game three, that fourth quarter, I saw something similar in the Rockets where like, like we got them, right? I really wanted, like I'd been telling friends all day, like I wanted this to be like a 30-point blowout. I, I Like there was blood in the water for sure. Yeah. And we had like, we handled them, right? Like this was a blowout win, even though it was only 10 points and it went down to like six or seven points as we were doing ridiculous things like being unable to get the ball across half court. And and just, foul, fouling all just, kinds when they're in the penalty, fouling James Harden specifically, right? Like those are free points. They're scoring while the, while the clock is stopped. It, it's mm-hmm. just like, can you guys just get your act? <laughs> Just right. get your like, act just together. This, just do it for like two more minutes and you're fine, right? Like, but yeah, they, no, it, they were never in danger, right? But it was just, it was rather annoying. It, it was like, I have young kids, right? They're nine and seven. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long ago that they were like, you know, five and three, 
mm-hmm. when they're five and three, you could tell them that they need to go and do something and like, you know, like we're not leaving until, uh-huh. you know, you get you get your shoes on and <laughs> and put this and do this thing, right? And so then they come out and they've got like one sock on and they're like, I can't find my other sock. And it's just, what do you mean? I Because I think when you left this room, you had both your socks on and now you come back. <laughs> And you've only got one sock on. When all I told you to do was put your shoes on, like I don't understand what's going on. And that was that was the end of the Lakers game. All we told them to do was put their shoes on, and they came back with only one sock. And they're like, "I can't find my other sock. I don't know what happened." So your I your analogies your analogies have been in playoff form lately. I just want to point that out. They've been spectacular. Yeah. There was a there was a play in the last game. I was like, oh, that's a sidecar play with LeBron. Uh, anyway, by the end of game three, you saw some of their spirit go out of them. And then game four, just like in the Portland series, by, the, by game four, it was elementary, right? Like this is a, another, you know, we'll see, right? Like 3-1 leads have been lost before. There's just a, a spirit. I mean, maybe, what do you think? Let me ask you this. Is there anything to that run that Houston made at the end that concerns you from a, like, Oh, maybe, you know, 3-1 leads aren't insurmountable. If anything, I think that that lead, the way that the Lakers were losing that lead and just sort of like, I saw a few looks of like frustration from LeBron, not frustration like, like we're going to lose or frustration like anything else. It was frustration like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this game isn't over yet and it's six points now and are you telling me i've got to like ramp it up now to to finish this game um so my feeling is is that that push by houston may actually be a good thing for the lakers they might actually be a little bit frustrated you you know if i was vogel i might needle them a little bit Mm -hmm. in like the film session tomorrow and just be like this is what they can do Look how we're not doing X, Y, and Z the way that we did. Where's the cutting? Where's the screening? Right? Because that's really what fell off. Um, I had said this, uh, uh, I think, after game two during one, well, well, during the pod. But there's this series especially, there's probably no bigger indicator of how well the Lakers are going to do offensively than how engaged they are on defense because their ability yeah. to turn turnovers and live rebounds into positive offensive opportunities, either in straight transition chances or early offense where the team just has sort of that pep in their step, right? And Houston, it, even if LeBron's not pushing the ball up court, he's got a live dribble, and it's not one of those walking the ball up the court and surveying things. And just playing even with even a little bit more tempo, the Lakers, I feel like, have an advantage. Yeah. No, and, and that's that's been true since the beginning of this series, right, is to run and to get out and, you know, use our, our athleticism and our physicality to outclass them. And, yeah, that as our defense goes, so goes our offense. And, and so, obviously, when—even before the Lakers started to turn the ball over, 
late down the stretch, right? When it was still like a 16-point game, they were really stagnant offensively. And and then it was and and then that was fueling Houston's offense, right? Because then they were the ones who were taking live rebounds and going the other way or they were getting fouled and so so after that, they're able to set their defense after a made free throw. And so I just feel like it could end up being a good thing. So no, I don't necessarily take anything. Like, I don't think Houston's going to quit, per mm-hmm. se. I, like, I just don't see that. Now, maybe I'm wrong. You, like, I think after, if the Lakers are are good enough to close this team out in five or even six games. And if we end up having to do an autopsy of the series, right? um, Houston may end up showing that there is like a through line between Mm -hmm. what their playoff losses look like. We'll see. I will tell you that I live in Oakland. Houston's been eliminated by the Warriors like four out of the last five years in the playoffs or something crazy. And so I saw a lot of those Houston playoff losses like up close in terms of just like, all right, you're in Oakland, played. And there was like a vibe in this game that mirrored some of the vibe that you would get in some of those games when they had played the Warriors. And and so whether or not that sticks and whether or not Houston can sort of like grab um, some life from that final eight minutes of, of this game, um, that's very much possible to me. I do know though, that what the Lakers are doing on both sides of the floor works. It's clear at this point, they've won three straight games. And, um, and if they come in with the right mentality, and with the right level of energy and effort, it's going to work again. Hey Amen. Like the last pod was called Rubik's Cube after game three. Like I said in that pod, man, like, you know, once you figure out how to figure out a Rubik's Cube, it's just a matter of getting faster at it at, after that point. You know how to do it. And the Lakers really feels like they figured out Houston, uh, you know, by by game two, but by the end of game two, um, you know, Vogel made the adjustments to the starting lineup tonight, uh, mm-hmm. same as he did in the second half of game three. Um, that that worked well. That spoke to or the he adjusted toward what I think the Lakers is Lakers greatest strength. And so I, I want to take a break right now. When we come back, I want to talk about Houston and how they're constructed and how um this was the Lakers going small and the Lakers. This was always going to be the Lakers, the way the Lakers did pick them apart if they if they were to. Uh, and I just want to I'm very curious to hear your thoughts deeper on Houston and just kind of their overall approach. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about that. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. 
You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash has saved me on many nights where I've been working on an LFR video and I haven't had time to make anything. And it's been so convenient to have the food that I want to eat show up at my door. And now they do that in a way where your food will be left safely right outside of your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. You can choose from your favorite restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order of $15 or more with DoorDash. So, this series in particular to me, exposes some of the weaknesses of analytics and of the, so I'm, I'm, I use analytics, right? I, I'm a believer in them. It's not, you know, to me, it's something, it's information, right? And just like anything else, right? And information can be data. It can also be like, what is a guy's footwork? What is his handle, ball handling ability? Kind of these less in, uh, more intangible qualities, but it's information and it should be treated as such. The problem that I see is a lot of determinations are made from the final result of an analytic, of, of a number like a points per possession stat, for example, in which there's not enough or any context provided to the how or to the why or like, so for example, James Harden accruing stats against different teams, it's not the same thing as going up against the Lakers seven times. And and let me put aside my fandom here. This could be the Lakers, it could be the Warriors, it could be any other team. But just because something worked well for you overall in aggregate does not mean that in a matchup-specific standpoint that, that you can get that same type of success, that it's, you know, 1.2 points per possession when you do that, but it's 0.9 possessions when you do this. Therefore, let's do the 1.2 thing all the time because that's going to work. The Lakers' size and athleticism and speed on the perimeter can chase the Rockets off of the three-point line. The, what I love what Vogel did in this series, I was talking earlier, in, uh, you know, before the series about Lakers funneling, the way that we did similar to Dame. Vogel's idea with the trapping is a better version of that. Like, it wasn't so much for me the funneling that was important as getting us into rotations, getting us being able to use our size, speed, and athleticism to chase the Rockets off of the three-point line. Now, funneling is one way to do it, but with the traps, Vogel gets us into scrambles and into four-on-threes without surrendering a drive in the first place. So it's the same concept, but but it's short up a certain weakness and element of that. I would say too that the double benefit of 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 that is that when you funnel, you're keeping the ball in the best player's hands, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. the way that they're trying to trap Harden, hundred percent, it's to get the ball even out of his hands, right? And then Harden has this has this habit of when he he doesn't fight to always go get the ball back. Like sure. I-, I beat a trap by making the right pass. It's on y'all now, mm-hmm. right? You should yeah. be working with an advantage. No, that's, that's absolutely the case. And so, right. It's, it's 
the it gets us in scrambles, it gets us in rotation, and to use what's wonderful about our defensive talent and without surrendering that, right? So great adjustment. We saw a little bit of it in game one. We, we talked about it after game one is how that was like probably the best thing that, that they did. Going smaller, trapping, using our speed. It's wonderful to see a team that is so malleable like this yeah. Lakers roster. It's a real credit to Palinka and to who put this team together um, to be able to beat teams in different ways. Our quote-unquote small ball lineup has three guys who are bigger than anybody who starts for Houston. Now, bringing it back to Houston and the like, kind of their philosophy, they've committed to microball, to P.J. Tucker at the five, to uh, the, these small lineups. I don't think that in the playoffs, you can ignore as much of the court as they do. Like, if you think of just like the square footage in which, where they score from, it is significantly smaller than anybody else in the playoffs and a lot smaller than the Lakers. The Lakers are, are more, you know, we got AD in the, in, in mid range, right? We've got Kuz has got some floater game to him. We're not just key in, in three stylistically, nor were the Warriors, right? When they were winning titles, Steph and, and uh, KD especially, those two are spectacular from mid-range. Kawhi Leonard has won the title last year, and he's spectacular from mid-range as well. Um, I'm of the belief that you can't ignore that much of the court. I'm curious where you stand on, just philosophically, what the Rockets have tried to do. And we can get into more of the details, but just from a big picture perspective, trying to maximize that key free throws and three philosophy, do you think this can be done, say, with different personnel? Maybe. I'm, I'm, I mean, yes and yes no, and no. To, to a certain extent, right? Like, honestly, man, so let me say this. This series would probably be a lot closer if Russell Westbrook was playing to the level that he was playing at in January and February or in February and March, like like basically the six weeks or so before the shutdown. Is um, he going to do that on Anthony Davis, though? I, well, you know, so here's the thing is that when Russ was at his best during that period, it w- it wasn't just. It wasn't just that he was. um attacking the paint all of the time as a dribbler. One of the things that, um, cons- and maybe it was game, it must have been game two when, or maybe it was game three, but he was he was cutting more. Like, mm-hmm. as a finisher, like, he was he was really attacking the creases off, off of the ball. It, like, what, to me, Russ is at his worst when he's, like, a standstill a standstill player off of the ball because it just makes him so much easier to defend, right? Now, he's so gifted athletically that he can overpower so many different types of of players. Like-sized guards or smaller guards, he's eating those dudes up, right? But even bigger dudes, um, he understands angles around the basket and, and, and when he's playing to the best parts of his own game, um, He's able to do a lot more than what he's been doing this series. Um, yes, granted, Anthony Davis is, is on him, and that makes a big difference. Um, this version of the Rockets, they were very close with like a player like Chris Paul, who is um, 
very much, I think, the best of both worlds as a compliment to Harden in terms of another ball handler who can set things up, but also an off-ball worker and another shooter mm-hmm. who can score that way. The issues that I have in terms of Houston um, and especially in relationship to to the Lakers, but to speak to your point is I don't think they are diversified enough. And I think that they purposefully play away from those things because of what the numbers tell you, even though, look, man, Harden can post you up. Like there was a possession. It was, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Harden posted up KCP. He was like at the mid post area, very much like a LeBron or AD spot on the floor. He started to dribble down some back Mm -hmm. his vet up. Double team came swing, swing wide open three Austin rivers. And that was like a super Lakers possession. Like Mm -hmm. right when I saw it, I thought, Oh hell, like that could have been LeBron Mm -hmm. right there. And there is something to that. Like you can put Hart in there and he can do damage from that spot. But the numbers probably tell Houston there's not good oper- – like we'd rather shoot a three or we'd rather be threatening the paint off, off, off of the dribble. But Harden's such a good offensive player and he's such a good passer. I feel like in some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways that are small ways but meaningful ways that they are sort of cheating him a little bit by allowing him to play in the way that that they they are enabling him and in some ways that's great because he's so good at this i also think though that a different coach might have been able to sort of push him more or a different organization even might have been able to push him in other ways too that would probably make him a more complete offensive player that would then make him more valuable in a playoff series than what he's proven to be, especially this series, but over the course of his playoff career, I think. So I think being a complete player is important in basketball, right? That that having, because when, again, the Rockets benefit from their novelty, especially in the regular season, the OKC series went seven, right? Like they didn't get out of that. They almost, and they were very close to losing to them too, right? Um, That if the playoffs are about like taking away what your opponent wants to do, and as you play them over and over again, you get deeper and deeper into what they want to do, right? How many game sevens have we seen where the score is like, Game seven of the 2010 finals, 83 to 79, right? Yeah. Or that Houston OKC one, uh, Denver, Utah during the first round, right? All of these, like Jamal Murray scoring 50 and Mitchell's got 47, and all of a sudden it's like 80 to 78, right? Yeah. Hammer the under, right? Yeah, exactly. Game seven. Exactly. And it, it's because, like, you become more and more used to, and it, you're more and more locked in on your defensive rotations. You know exactly what they are against this team. And so Houston benefits from that novel. And so gr- truly great players, double teaming them should not be able to take them out of the game from a like field goals made standpoint. Harden made two field goals in this game. He went 18 for 20 from the line, and that certainly matters. But 
if if you can't operate off of the ball, if you're not able to set screens, able to cut, able to use that footwork coming off of a stagger, those things, there's there's such an A to B nature of the Rockets and how they approach like, like threes are good and shots at the rim are good and free throws are good, all of which are true. But saying, therefore, we will only shoot these shots, yeah, right? Well, if I know you're only shooting from there and the roster that you've constructed is like so many guys have so many holes because they are there to do one or two jobs, right? And But what if, and, and this gets me to, to my other point, and I really want to hear your perspective about this. Maybe this is as a short guy who loved basketball. This is something that I have a strong opinion on this. Like athleticism and size really matters. And there's a point in which where you can't hang, like you can't do the things you're normally good at. Like I was a, I was a pretty good shooter, but if you stuck an athlete on me and he didn't want me to shoot, I wasn't shooting. Like there was no, you know what I mean? Like somebody had to draw two and I had to be wide open to get the shot off, but yeah. he was like it wasn't happening. And the Lakers, the Rockets have so so little in the way of athleticism, right? They got Westbrook and they've got, you know, like Covington is a good athlete, Co- but just Covington's a good athlete. I would argue hardens, too that, that the Harden's like hardens, an excellent athlete, but not like a run and jump athlete, right? So, like, right. So that's what I'm talking about specifically. Yeah, right. His deceleration, acceleration. He's wonderfully skilled, right? It's it's no knock on Harden, but just overall, if if you're looking to have guys who can make threes and who can defend while being relatively stout and low to the ground, right? It, you are going to be sacrificing ball handling. They don't have much ball handling on their team. Uh, the size is really going to matter. This is We said earlier in the series, they were going to wear down as the series went on, right? As a result of bang, banging with us. Our rebounding advantage is no coincidence that that starts to emerge in a game four that I, I, I appreciate analytics and I appreciate the quantification of the game. It is also so far from being complete that simply going by the result of, oh, well, when they drive, it's this points per possession versus hardened stepbacks or, or whatever approach on where you're just taking the end result you will miss so much context along the way that you'll be led to inaccurate conclusions that will come and bite you in the butt. And like being basketball is a big man sport. Basketball is a game where athleticism matters. The goal is 10 feet up in the air, right? And, and size and height and speed and all of these things. And I, I I think, you know, the Rockets are, are one of those teams that will be very influential on the league and will and, and already have been, but I I don't see how you can ignore that much of the court and ignore just the basic. This is a big man, big athletic person's sure. game, and you can't game the system. Like you can only do that so far. You might win some games during the regular season. You might win a round of the, of the playoffs, but there's not going to be any point where you're playing a really good team in the playoffs and you can get away with that. I would even argue too, last thing is that they were a really good matchup for the Golden State Warriors, right? Like 
they, we talked so much leading up to this series, Darius, about how we matched up with the Rockets. And we, in just in the general discussion, didn't talk much about how they match up with us. And like we're faster than they are, we're bigger than they are, we're stronger yeah. than they are, and that matters against Golden State. That's going small, and they've got like, like Steph Curry isn't going to overwhelm you with his athleticism, or Clay Thompson with his physical gifts. And those were series where KD was super important because he could, yeah. and those things matter in a way that I I just I don't know, man. Like you're gonna you can put together a really good team this way, but I think it's too severely in the direction that they've gone. Well, I also think too that um that two things. A, I think you're right overall. Just that the arguments that you've made about like using more of the court and you 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 know sort of like bigger, stronger, faster is still going to mean something and um but I think the point I'd like to focus on with what you're talk talking about is like having more rounded skill sets within your core players mm -hmm. and um yeah like they can't be malleable the way that this lakers well, team is look at the lakers roster right and so one of the things that we have talked about this year is like oh the lakers are sort of shallow on like guards mm -hmm. right like they or you know kcp doesn't do this very well right or danny green like kcp and danny green aren't good ball handlers right, right. And, and but kcp and danny green can attack a closeout better than pj tucker can mm -hmm. better than robert covington can right um you 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 know like alex caruso has more guard skills than anyone that's on the rockets besides besides like you you know, Eric Gordon and James Harden and mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook, Westbrook. Right. right? Like he's probably the equivalent of like Austin Rivers or maybe even a little bit better based off of like his feel as a passer and the other things that I feel like guards really have to do sure. in this and league. And then defensively, it's no comparison, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying like in terms of having more more well-rounded skill sets and, and I think that's part of the issue that Houston has seen in this series against the Lakers, right? And tangentially i made this point when i was talking about the sort of defensive acumen the lakers are showing when they're closing out on specific houston rockets players right that they're really running covington off off of the line and they're really running pj tucker off off of the line and i made this point the other day when daniel house didn't play and he didn't play again this game in in that house was one of sort of their bigger like one of their players who has a bit more size who can attack a closeout and then can drive and kick off off of a closeout. And there are what Houston has done is they have two players who make like over forty million dollars a year, basically, right? In mm -hmm. a salary cap league. And so do the Lakers, mind you, or at least they will. LeBron makes that, but Anthony Davis does not yet. But the way that the 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 difference in terms of well-roundedness of the supporting players is to me glaring now after four games in this series. The Lakers just have more of those guys. Even if it's a guy like Alex Caruso and Rajon Rondo, those guys have ball skills. Even a player like Kyle Kuzma has ball skills. Even a guy like Marquise Morris 
has some ball skills, right? And to say nothing of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are both supremely skilled players at who also possess so much more size and athleticism relative to their size, right? And so we talked about this earlier during the series is that Westbrook is an on-par athlete mm-hmm. in terms of athletically. He's on par with LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. He just, just a lot is. smaller. He's, yeah. he's explosive, mm-hmm. but he's 6'4", 6'5". Mm-hmm. LeBron is 6'9", 260, or 265, or 270. Who knows how, how big mm-hmm. he is. Anthony Davis is like 6'11", 250, or 260, right? Like, these are big dudes who are super skilled with the ball in their hands, who There's can versatility. do anything mm-hmm. you want them to do on the basketball court, they can do it on mm-hmm. both sides of the floor. And this is why, like, look, James Harden may have an MVP, and Anthony Davis may never win an MVP, but Anthony Davis is going to be first-team All-NBA this season, and he made first-team All-Defense this season. And He's a better player, too, by the way. Ask me who I want. He's a better player. Exactly. In my opinion, that's where I am too. And, and, there, and so it's it's tricky for a team like Houston because I honestly think you can win this way, but like I think you can win the way that they're playing, but I think that the the holes the holes on their roster are just too big. Mm-hmm. They're being exposed in a way against a superior team. And and that's just that's just it. Like I said this to you before we started started recording, that like a great phrase within sports is like all things being equal, right? Like all things being equal, I'll choose this guy. Mm-hmm. But in in a flow sport like basketball where you where you need ball skills and the the point is to put a round sphere inside a basket that's 10 feet off of the ground mm-hmm. all things are not always going to be equal no. and the lakers have a 69 dude who is one of the best players who ever played at a 611 dude who's one of the you 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 know four to six players in the league right now and yep. all so all things aren't equal Right, they're, it, they're not, and and it's why, like, it's why because of that versatility and that size and that speed and that skill, like, we can take away what they want, right? Like, they want to shoot those sixty threes that you're talking about, the thirty two games or two games ago, and then the thirty three attempts from three in this game. That's not a coincidence. That those things, those things matter. Those things, and if you don't have a counter to that. If you've been playing the same way the entire year and and without any versatility, That's the right. lack of versatility, the lack of uh, the lack of taking advantage of the entire court, I'm not saying you should build your offense around the mid range, right? <laughs> but but that that is something I've al- I always say this: the defense is going to win some possessions, and you have to get you have to get production out of the ones in which they do. The ones in which we are rotating and preventing them from driving to the basket and chasing them off of the three-point line and in very difficult shots for them. Very difficult attempts that they are not used to taking. And it's uh, it, it, it's just not something that I think is sustainable 
in this way, despite, of course, like it would be great if you could get those 60 attempts and drives at the rim and free throws and like, those are the shots that you want, but the other elements of the game cannot be abandoned to the degree that they do. So, uh, I think, I think that'll do it. A uh, quick shout out to THT for some quality, uh, early playoff yeah. minutes. Yeah. He was, he, he was, he was not, he was not scared. He was not scared. He, he took a one, he took one shot where I was like, Hey, check he, that, that young man is feeling himself. And that's exactly what you want, right? Is in a playoff debut. I'd I rather have a Harden. guy. Uh-huh. I'd rather have a guy that's like not scared and is like, oh, you, you're doing too much right now, right? Give me that guy. He'll be all right in a couple years, right? And uh, yeah, good minutes by him. Shout out to him. And uh, yeah, fun game tonight. You got any closing thoughts? No, just again, man, like great role player game. Yeah. This game. Great team effort this game. This was a really great like Alex Caruso game like I I people probably think we overdo the praise on Caruso oh. this was a super important Let him this was it. a like this was a super good game from from him box score and impact great cutting great finishing um early in the game he had he whipped a skip pass across the floor KCP. to KCP for that open 3 like um Late shot just, clock situation too, yeah. Was just doing a lot, a lot of stuff. Had some great transition defensive possessions, right? Like, um, had that strip down on Harden on when when Harden was atta- was barreling down on 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 him in transition. He had that great defensive play at the rim where he went vertical against maybe was it Eric Gordon. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but he forced a miss at the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, just he was all over the court and making winning plays, and that was a great performance from from him. Shout out to Danny Green, right? Like he had a couple of threes. I thought he was, sh- and yeah, went to the, the offensive rebounds. glass mm-hmm. in 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 that PJ Tucker. Like I'm darting in from the weak side corner. And I'm attacking the offensive glass, and he grabbed a few, few of those. Just a really good role player game, and honestly, that's what allowed LeBron to sort of coast a lot this game, and, and only have to turn it on in 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 stretches. Really, it 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 was because of the way that this team sort of coalesced, and it was great to see the teamwork sort of be there offensively in the same way that it's been there defensively the last couple of games. And so just just a really strong team team performance. And if there was a lasting and if there's a lasting thought from me on this game, it's really that. All right, let's close them out in five guys. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed.
Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietro's was jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it. Brian, yes, and that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.